Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about. time for Mortgage Matters. All right. Good morning. Just getting settled in here in the studio. Looking forward to another live show. It's May 16th, 5 after 9. We're just so excited to be here. All right, getting settled. Mike's tight. There we go. Five after <laughs> nine. <laughs> oh my gosh! This morning, my two-year-old, he's learning new words every single day. Yeah. And he likes to show them off. He likes to show them off most at <laughs> six in the morning. <laughs> what words? What, what was Just it? you know, he likes to talk about excavators and oh. backhoes and bulldozers. And so we had a, a lengthy discussion this morning. It's still going on. I have, I have no doubt it's still going on at home because he would not stop talking this morning. Huh. So I'm especially tired. I had a friend whose kid watched too much TV. And he watched like the uh, British version of some like dinosaur shows. And so then when he was like three, he would be playing in, in like an English accent. He would be like you know acting out the scene and he's like brontosaurus is an herbivore <laughs> and lurking nearby looking for a meal is tyrannosaurus rex <laughs> that was pretty awesome <laughs> so at least you don't have that yet no, i don't <laughs> just i'm excavator. looking forward to the stage where they sleep in excavator you know when's that hit is that teenage years yeah then they then I can't somewhere, get them somewhere out. around about noon 12. is too early for them. <laughs> yeah. Twelve to thirteen. I don't. We have a rule in my house that you're not allowed to be in bed after nine. How's that work for you? Fine. <laughs> <laughs> it works really good for me because I'm of that good age where if you stay in bed past nine, your body aches for two days. Yeah. So yeah, you know that's just the rule though. Get out of bed. It's always something to do. And if you can't get out of bed before nine, you were up too late. Right. Well, yeah, way too late. That's the deal. My dad used to lie to me in the morning, tell me that breakfast was ready. Oh. Yeah, he would lie about the time, but he would also say, breakfast is ready. Get up. Oh. And he'd do that every 10 minutes or so for an hour. And I'd finally get out of bed. And he was just starting breakfast right when I got out of bed. Mm. Well, he just it's wanted, a cruel trick he played he, on me. He just wanted cool. you around. Yeah, right. <laughs> he wanted some father-son bonding uh -huh. time. Yeah. I think he just wanted food. <laughs> Didn't want to have to cook twice. Yeah, yeah that could be. <laughs> Only one round of pancakes. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it was the clue that uh, it was your turn to cook. Yeah, I was a little too young <laughs> at that time. I guess not. I just didn't know how. Well, uh, yeah, we we have Wes Burke to join us in the middle of the show here. So we'll have him on. We find out what's going on in real estate. You know, I had a realtor. Dude, it's my dad's birthday. I just got the calendar reminder. It just popped up. Yeah, on it's you. my otherwise, dad's birthday. Happy birthday, dad. Otherwise, you'd have missed it. Mm, no, that's, I'd probably remember it tomorrow or something. <laughs> that's how that usually works. Boy. 
11 o'clock tonight. Does your dad listen? No. 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 In fact, I'm not even sure that he's uh, that he's at home. I think he was, he was on a vacation. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, well, fun week in the market, huh? Did you think so? You probably, since you're not actively like pricing and locking loans every day, no. it's probably not that exciting for you. I'm programming software. Oh, <laughs> Talk about excitement. It's really fun. <laughs> we, were, we were all really looking forward to the price improvements that were coming. For days in a row, we couldn't wait for the price improvements that were coming. Uh, for everyone who has an unlocked loan? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and then just general hope too, you know? It's a similar, like if you're a painter, like you, let's say you paint the exterior of homes. You hope for, for sunny little, days. Yeah. yeah. And when it starts raining, you get a little bit bummed out. You want it to get back to sunny. It's like that. Rates kind of, last couple weeks, maybe three weeks here, rates have been kind of inching upwards. And everybody, you know, all the economists and the different little TV commentator guys that sit above the news ticker making you know, drawing conclusions from patterns establishing, just keep telling us that the low rates are probably gone forever. And, uh, but this week we actually, and not, I can't even say for good reason, but we got a little bit, a little bit back. So that was, that was a nice thing. Been watching the Dow just keep like popping over this 18,000 number. Um, so that's pretty great. In spite of like the feds recently saying they thought the stock market was perhaps um, overvalued. Huh. So, and we still are flirting with record highs. I forgot who it was, but there was someone yesterday on CNBC saying that we're in year six of a 20 year bull run in, <laughs> in the stock market. 20 years? Yeah. I don't know what that was based on. I didn't pay attention beyond that blurted out headline that um, seems like an awfully long time. it just sounds like there's a lot of differing opinions about what's going on where we're going why it's happening i think there's a lot of people that just really don't know they're they're making their best educated guess to explain the different the different um reasonings behind various metrics or why the stock market's been operating the way it has and i i think you know with all the differing opinions that tells me that no one really has a good solid clue yeah do this they have any idea this week we had a, re- a reading on retail sales and now they're starting to believe that maybe the harsh winter isn't to explain for the slow sales during oh. the winter months because the spring rebound hasn't occurred so huh. it just seems like there's a lot of um that that we haven't used the word in a while, but uncertainty. There's still that. Yeah, I kind of. Well, in in that that I guess is what's most to blame for the increase in interest rates over the last few weeks, is that many of the the traders and economists and folks are expecting that the Feds are going to raise interest rates, right? So, so it's being priced in. Um, you know, we're we're led to believe that these sort of policy things are working about six months in advance. So, if it's November that rates are supposed to go up. This is about the time that the market starts realizing that. And this week I read a lot about um, traders are basically wanting to call the Fed's bluff to know that rates really can't go up as soon as they would think. And therefore, they're starting to you know keep 
keep moving money into the stock market because they've just they believe that the feds won't actually raise the rates. And I think that's kind of interesting because I am inclined to believe that too. I think I err on that side. I don't think we're going to see rates go up in November. So if I were if I were here to bet, I would bet on the side of the Fed bluffing. You, know? you think we're looking at next year before rates <clears throat> yeah, start to rise? I do. Uh, but that being said, I can't help but but remember when the Feds did all of the tapering. You remember about six months before, right? Because wasn't it in May that they said they were looking potentially to taper? And then the very first taper that happened, the first month they actually took some money out of the uh, QE3 was... Was that December? December. So it was about six months ahead of time. That was when the market reacted strongly, right? May and June yeah, was, was kind May. of a bloodbath. Um, so I remember coming down in December thinking, there's no way. There's absolutely no way the feds, the feds are going to cut that. They're going to start the taper today. If you remember, there was a pretty bad jobs report. Um, real estate had kind of slowed down. It was just a freaky time. And they, in fact, cut rates. I'm I'm sorry. Cut the QE3 spending, and then um, it was like, wow, okay, that's what everyone was freaked out about for so long. And what happened was it was really priced into the market, and so things sort of inched back down a little bit. I kind of wonder if that might be what's happening in the interest rate market. Is you know the bark's worse than the bite, so we're prepping, we're getting ready. Everyone's scared, and we're seeing some sort of uh, false pressure and then maybe the first move they do make everyone calms down and the markets actually are are thankful for the direction as opposed to the wonder and volatility and then you sort of resume a normal next business cycle yeah i, I think those... so i don't want to rule it out then i don't think it is going to be this year but i can't rule it out because the feds recently surprised me and I think the market's testing. I, I think you're right. I think there's some testing going on. I think you'll see this from time to time as we approach this inevitable day when rates are announced to be on the move higher. Um, you're going to see markets kind of test higher rates and see how it reacts. And and then when the Fed meets next and offers more you know, updated comments, more clarification to the markets that you're going to see the the easing back down and so over the last three weeks we've seen rates increase what roughly three eighths to half a point um friday we started to see a little bit of relief yeah we started to there's just everywhere you look there's there's general weakness in the economy with the the major metrics i mean obviously one of the biggest things that we're looking at is the growth of gdp that's that's how strong our our overall economy is and the first quarter you know, we've we've realized that that was a pretty bad quarter. It was basically a flatline quarter, uh, 0.2% growth. That's in, and retail sales to start April to start quarter two. It's barely flat, terrible. It's barely not the first half of a recession, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> because a recession is defined as two negative. Yeah, GDP negative for two consecutive quarters. Yeah, and we barely so squeaked we above zero barely, in the first quarter, and we're starting yeah. 70% of GDPs based on consumer spending, and here we are, the major metric of consumer spending coming in flat for April when weather can't be an excuse anymore. Yeah. So it's, you know, there's there's general weakness there. The, the employment numbers look great. I mean, you can't complain about 5% unemployment and... Hiring two hundred thousand people a month and laying off, 
you know, the jobless claims numbers are at 15 year lows. None of those numbers are are bad. Those are great numbers there. But when you look at wages, which is the thing we've really been waiting for, when consumers, just because gas prices are down, just because the cost of, you know, I, I don't Gas, I guess, is the only thing that's really down that's keeping money in pockets. But people aren't just going to go spend that extra money unless they feel good about their prospect for earning more in the future. And that's where we're we're really hung up on the employment side is the wage growth. It's it's barely kept up with inflation. When you look at the if if you're isolating just that retail sales number too, one of the things they always do is exclude autos, right? Mm-hmm. Give us the reading. The thing that that can skew the numbers the most is the auto purchasing. So they give you that that number with and without. Um, and generally speaking, excluding auto sales is is going to lower the retail sales number a little bit, right? Flat in this case, which I thought was interesting. Um, so it even shows you that those cars that can really still be purchased with like zero percent interest rate. I mean that pretty low uh, financing. Yeah, yeah. Are, are not we're still not buying the heck out of those. So it's a, it is a thing where I think most consumers um, just looking at the metrics, it seems like most people are still in the hunker down phase. Well, and here's some talking about breaking down that retail sales. Here's some interesting statistics from that number. So overall there was expectations for about a a small gain in retail sales. And the, the final number was an unchanged from the month prior. Um, what was really surprising was the core, the core readings, um, like department store sales. They were down two point two percent. I mean, that's that's something that that's your everyday consumer spending right there in department stores. Electronics and appliances, another popular category, um, fell point four percent. That's a seventh consecutive month of decline for electronics and appliances. Furniture and food and beverages also showing declines. So all these these big consumer areas um, were down a lot, and and it's just showing a lot of weakness in sales. Um, a lot of it seems to be tied back to the wage issue. Um, until we see meaningful wage growth, we're going to have these tepid sales numbers, and you know now they're starting to revise projections for about a two percent growth for the year, which is below where we want to be. So yeah, I, I I tend to be in your camp too. I, I don't know that we're going to see a rate increase in 2015. It doesn't seem like it. But they surprised you. And the then Fed the, surprised they you do, last but, time. But then the other big thing, we started to get a peek at what the big number that's coming out next week, which is uh, producer or consumer price index. So that's our major inflation gauge. This week we saw producer prices um, down. Producer prices were down 0.4%. I mean, that's inflation, that's negative inflation. And we know that the Fed's very concerned about inflation with regard to their monetary policy. That's part of why they're keeping these rates low. Though recently they did say they were they were not so concerned as hitting the number immediately with inflation, but knowing that um, it was likely in the future. Hitting their one and a half to two percent target for inflation. Yeah. And now we're negative. So we're, we're running away from that number. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if consumer prices follow that. I noticed that gasoline is um, about a dollar more a gallon than diesel, and it looks to be about a dollar more than what it was a few months ago. 
up on the reason for that? I don't know. It's the summer blend? I think, well, Memorial Day is next weekend, so we're heading into the summer months. It seems mm -hmm. crazy. It's already pretty high. Well, plus a lot of people might have traveled last weekend, too, because Mother's Day. Right. So it seems kind of that's going to have that's going to have some effect. I mean, Dan, just a minute ago, as you were kind of talking about retail spending, you said other than gas prices being lower. I mean, they're they're really not that low anymore. Mm -mm. Yeah, I mean, you're already back to like four bucks a gallon kind of everywhere I saw. Some some places were charging like four thirty for just unleaded. That's mm -hmm. that's not cheap. No. So that's not going to help. I mean, it, it, if you already have retail sales problems and now you're going to have that the reduction in gas was sort of the catalyst for people spending more for the last few mm -hmm. months and we've removed that, what do you expect is going to go forward for next month's reading of these same metrics? I worry that we're the news turned sour enough lately that we're just sort of like getting stuck in the mud here and... I, I don't other than real estate which continues to like everything's worth more every that's the norm here every month um everything's just worth a little bit more selling for a little bit more that's the new news in real estate um but other than that where's the where's the other big bright spot here there's not really one so the, are are the feds going to be able to push up rates then i and no and I, the more that we that we get we see that winter wasn't impacting all these things that it's really seems to be, there's more of an underlying issue here. And, and I think what it really comes down to is lack of meaningful change. Um, and I keep going back to, to wages. Yeah. There's lack of meaningful change there. Yeah. If, if gas prices fluctuate a little bit, you see these little in small, I hesitate to say insignificant because every, every little bit of positive change is, is good. But, you know, they're, they're not, it's not meaningful. It's not sustainable um, because we know that gasoline is going to fluctuate and it's going to get lower. It's going to come higher now that's summer. Uh, we could probably expect it to stick around here for the next six months or so. So what we're really lacking right now is meaningful change, something, something that's really going to drive the consumer out to, to get s continued sustainable growth in sales. Um, it, and so for, for that lack of meaningful change i think we're just we're kind of in a holding pattern here for a while which well, is good because you see over just the last three weeks with with interest rates going up a lot looking at just the housing market we're seeing applications both on the purchase and refi side declining pretty significantly with minor changes in rates this is a very sensitive consumer right now this is a consumer that's cautious um you know they're looking for deals whether it be sales in department stores or cheap, you know, near historic lows and mortgage rates to go out and do any kind of transaction. We're looking for, we've got deal hounds for consumers right now. And that's, that's not going to sustain us. You were one of those guys that bought in 2015. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to happen. That's no, crazy. No, 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 no. No, I not especially not around here. You know what's funny though, and I see that you clipped the article too. Um, home affordability has improved here on the Central Coast. That's only going to happen one of two ways. Okay, <laughs> the value of the real estate here has to have gone down, or 
the wages must have increased. Which would you suggest is more likely? Well, we know the value of real estate's not going down. I read this article, and you know what I thought first? As soon as I read this thing, I was like, man, if Dan's got some time, somebody's getting an email. <laughs> it was about, uh, yeah, because this thing basically, this article here is looking at the median priced existing single family home. And calculating the monthly payment. So I'm guessing you didn't have time to go figure out what's this payment based on? What numbers did they use? Oh, I didn't um, look at that, no. Because we know real estate didn't go down, right? Right, no. We've, we've seen not, the, not the graphs and charts. And now it's, not. it's on an upward trend. And wage growth, have, you, have there been vast improvements there? I, I wouldn't say vast when you look at it nationally. Now, we the data we have locally is not as. I mean, I'm gonna go back. I want to go back to the headline. <laughs> Housing affordability improves in Slow County. Good news, because it's been pretty unaffordable for a lot of people, right? So then, what's the What's the claim then? How how's this substantiated? <laughs> what is it? Some thirty percent of people. 30% of home buyers in the county can afford to buy a median priced home in the first quarter of this year. Yeah. Well, it's better than it was, so it's improved. Makes it sound very rosy, but it's less than a third of of home buyers can afford homes. Yeah, and not only that, but median's kind of a tricky little thing to be doing math on anyway. Um It's not like does it mean that more mobile homes sold and more condos sold? Or does it mean that fewer multi-million dollar houses sold? I mean, the, these numbers are, it's hard to even ever compare month over month. But I see the article and all I can think is, man, things didn't get more affordable here for anyone. Well, I mean, we know, we've seen that the the median price figures have gone up. So the only possible way that affordability could have improved is for income to have gone up. And so that could have happened two ways. When you look at at earnings across people, if, if average earnings went up, either more people, people making more money moved into the county or people making less money moved out of the county or some combination thereof. Because I don't think there was a lot of people who were living here that got substantial wage increases. Well, I'm going to go back to the headline. <laughs> Housing affordability improves. When you go to that payment, you know the only way that you're buying a $492,000 house to be able to get a payment of $2,400 a month? You can put hundred grand down. I'm going to argue that the people that are walking around with $100,000 down payments are not... Um, too affected by the affordability you've been doing something pretty good for a good amount of time that you were able to set aside a hundred thousand ducats of your own money to put down so it's like you're we're almost jumping to the conclusion that some pretty wealthy people with pretty fat wallets are creating affordability now worth worth writing a headline about yeah when you look across your first Four and a half or so, you know, four and a half months of, of loan production this year. How, what percentage of your loans, your purchase business is 
for less than a 20% down payment. Oh, man. When we're talking like primary residents. I'm, Out of I'm, the purchase loans? Yeah, primary residents purchase loans. How many of those loans, what percentage of those loans are loans where people are, are putting 20% down versus less? Or I, I guess more I'd than say, 20 or less than 20? I'd say 30% of people are putting down 20%. Wow, that's more and than I thought. Seventy are putting down less. Um, yeah, and generally speaking, the people that are putting down twenty percent lately, and I think it has something to do with where we are in the real estate cycle right now. Um, some of the people that are coming forward to buy houses lately are getting, like most of the people that have the good down payments, are getting d gift funds from family typically. Twenty percent. Yeah, that's a significant <laughs> amount of <laughs> gift. Yeah. I mean, wow. Maybe these people want to adopt. You're going to give somebody I'm, I'm available for adoption. Giving people $100,000. I mean, I see that more wow. often than you would think is even possible. So so the people that have the the substantial down payments are getting gifts. There's not people who just have $100,000 to put down. No. I mean, every now and again and, and of course, if it's in their bank account in season, we don't really ask too much about it because it's there already, but I know from the relationship that I have with my borrowers that some of those people, it's um, it's just inheritance. You know, all of a sudden, some trust came through and they received one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and you know, they've always wanted to own real estate, and now here's a way to make it affordable. Really, a big down payment, and um, but otherwise, yeah, gift fund stuff. But the norm lately, I can't tell you how many like in this. This, of course, has to do with where where you are in the county, but most people are putting 5% down. That's what I see. That's what I would – I mean, if this was my final Jeopardy, that's what I'm going to say is 5% down. And, you know, you can still do that and buy up – you can borrow up to $417,000 really with 5% down. So that gets somebody buying a house that's like in the 433 range or something. So that – that really, because of the down payment, that really becomes the max a lot of people qualify for. When they come in to say, hey, what do I qualify for? And they've saved twenty or $30,000, which, by the way, when somebody just old-fashioned saves thirty grand in today's economy by you know, paying, paying their rent, paying their bills, and setting some money aside, and then it's like, yeah, we, we saved 30000 bucks. That's pretty good. And... These are, this kind of seems like the norm of the average buyer right now. And then they're coming in to put 5% down. And they so they end up in that range of like, all right, well, you go look at houses that are like 440 and under. When you borrow more than 417, you have to put 10% down or do an FHA loan. An FHA is very expensive. So that 10% down is often the barrier to entry. If you need to borrow 500,000, then you need to have 10% down. So now you're looking at houses for 550. That 550 is a weird part of the market unless you're in slow. 550 and slow is flying off the shelves. 550 in Atascadero is going to sit for a minute. Um, at least it could if it's not a really attractive property. So that person needs 10% down. How many people do you see that walked in old fashioned, save sixty thousand dollars, seventy thousand dollars? So now that we've we've kind of taken a brief look at at you're a very busy loan officer. You know, you originate a lot of of loans. You you get a good snapshot of what's going on in the county. We've kind of we've we've summarized some of the characteristics of the purchase clients that you're working with. 
when you when you sit back and, and think about all those folks that you're doing purchase loans for, doesn't it seem like we're we're kind of forced into this posi- position, or the Fed is, where they have to keep rates low to keep any momentum at all in real estate? We've got home buyers relying on minimum down payment. Whatever down payment they are getting, they're getting it gifted to them. And and rates are at remain at these historic lows, but the minute rates start to creep back up, we see nationally that um, that applications decline. Yeah. So we're kind of caught in this area where the only it seems like the only reason that people are are getting in that that real estate's transacting as good as it is is because there's so many different incentives for them. There's there's these this perfect storm, this perfect opportunity to buy a home. At, a, at as about as good of a deal when you're using financing as, as we'll possibly ever see in our lifetime. But any anything other than the best, the, the most perfect storm of circumstances, and, and these people might not be there. And you're talking about this being about 70 plus percent of your entire purchase pipeline. Yeah. I see where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> and And all I can say about that is that today... Like he and here's a great example, Dan. I'll, I'll sum it up for you this way. I'm a really, I am a busy loan officer, one of the busier in the county, I think, uh, for what a single dude without a personal assistant gets done um, in a year. I I know the average numbers. I do fine. Um, this week, one of the loan officers came into me and said, "Hey, do I have to disclose to my client?" that one of our other loan officers is representing an additional offer on this property. And I said, thanks for asking, but no. Um, you guys aren't going to share information with one another about the deal. And they kind of naturally don't. Because if I tell you, you know, it's like, hey, I'm representing Jim and you're representing Susie. And hey, by the way, Jim just asked for a prequal letter for 500 grand. So you ought to have Susie. She should know that and, and do 505. And we wouldn't do that because if Susie gets it, then Jim's loan officer doesn't get paid, right? So you're sort of naturally incented to keep your mouth shut anyway, but said, do we have to disclose this given that we're kind of representing multiple people into the deal? Um, and the answer is no. But I also had a client that's writing an offer on that property. So in our little old San Luis office for a little old property in San Luis, three loan officers were representing three different buyers, none aware of the other, utilizing three different real estate agents requesting pre-qualification letters on the exact same property. So I don't care how low your rates are, how soft all the stuff appears. I get that nationally things are a little bit different. And I'm just going to argue that here in our town, it doesn't matter. Yeah, rates creep up a little bit. The The difference is it was a long line of people that were waiting for a new property to come on the market. And then when it comes on, they're all eager beaver to it. So I, I'm still going to maintain that it's this shortage of housing that we have that's going to propel us forward under what I want to call the next crisis, which is housing shortage. Therefore, we're just going to see things keep going up in spite of higher rates, inspire, in spite of wage growth not keeping up with um, you know, the, the cost of the real estate. Sadly, we, we're going to see that pinch still, and it just kind of stays the case because the crisis now is a lack of housing. I wish we could see what loan applications do on a more local level. When when there's the fluctuations in interest rates, that would be very interesting to see if 
you know, nationally, we've seen what the numbers are doing. It'd be interesting to see if the trend holds true here. I, yeah. I do think that, I mean, it's obvious well, that we're in a much different area. That's... I had to have a tough conversation this week about a gentleman that I pre-qualified. And this is a guy selling a house, um, selling a house like a $400,000 house and buying about a $550,000 house. That's a pretty solid move up. That's taking you from entry-level house in a kind of common folk neighborhood to a little bit of breathing room, nicer house. Um, th I'm talking, this is a Tascadero, okay? Um, this guy came in and got pre-qualified six months ago, and in his uh, interest rate's going to be 3.75%, and this is what the payment's going to be. Um, so he's really trying to slice it out and budget this whole thing correctly um, and has got to like kind of pull together a little gumption to sell the house he's in. He's got to put the family home on the market and get it sold and find a suitable replacement and, and get her all done without, you know, much changing. And, and it's a scary thing because once you sell your house, are you going to be able to buy that person selling has to buy something else. It's there's a lot of dominoes stacked up here. Um, so anyway, he did. I mean, he got himself in escrow, came on back this week, you know, looking for the congratulatory hug. And I said, Richard, here's a couple fee worksheets, buddy. While you were out getting it done, your was going to be 3.75 is now 4.125 to keep the same fees. And that payment in this case was about $160 a month more than where he budgeted, where he mustered the courage to jump months ago from the ledge. And it just, in the time it took him to do that, um, was a little undermined and a little bit frustrated. And I, I mean, I, all I can really do is give him a hug and say, you know, yeah, this, it sucks. The market did this, you know? But um, and because you can't lock an interest rate before a property is procured, it's a the lock is between the borrower's social security number and the property address. So you can't just kind of leave one to be determined. So you had no choice but to go with the free market and kind of brutal. So but so check it out. Payment got one hundred and sixty dollars more expensive. What do you think this guy did? He made an offer on a house. Well, yeah, he's in escrow, but now um, he's paying it. <laughs> what are you gonna do price of poker went up that's a smack in the face by the way yeah how how happy are the people who got into contract in april yeah the, i mean that was a good time yeah they squeezed in in those sub four interest rates and now for people who are transacting business now it's a little bit higher but i think the good news is is that I, wanna, I, wanna, I do think that we're going to start to ease it back down for all the reasons yeah, that we've talked about for the first 30 minutes of the show here. Me too. It's coming back down. And then it's going to be leading but, into the next Fed meeting. It's right. going to start to trickle back up again. But, you know, but here's I want to go back to the point real quick about my friend Richard. Um, he's paying it. So that's all it takes. Yeah. Rates can go up a little bit. And so who do, who gets squeezed the hardest? That guy that is like $160 more a month and it's going only to interest. Nothing else changed. I'm buying the same house and I'm borrowing the same amount of money. I have the same credit score. I sold my house. I had all everything. All this is is just my having to pay $160 a month more just to interest. Tough pill to swallow, but then he's paying it. But back to the sensitivity of this consumer. 
rates historically for mortgages are between six and eight percent, right? And here we are, people are are getting all mad about ah, my rate went from three point seven five to four and an eighth, and that's enough to like put people on the fence, you know, maybe reconsider. These are still amazing rates, but this consumer is so sensitive to getting these amazing deals that that small fluctuation is enough to potentially drive them away. See, and, I and part of it's just because it real estate's so I don't expensive. Think it is. Undoubtedly, there are people in that exact same situation as your borrower, Richard, who were on the fringe at three point seven five, who just simply can't qualify, even oh. if they wanted to throw another one sixty a month at it. They can't do it. They don't fit into the guidelines. You're anymore. right about that. Um, so that's what I was going to say. The people that this affects the most is the people that are in contract that like for good reason had solid expectations set and were doing the plan. And then right in the middle of the game, somebody came and said, you know what? Yes. The hoop was at 10 foot. Now it's at 12 foot. Take a shot. That that's not fair to that guy. The rules of engagement that sucks when they change in the middle of the game. Um, then there's those other people that were marginally qualified. Like they they bought all the way to their 45% debt to income ratio. And then the new rates knocked them into 45 plus, And they're like, dang, I'm like, I have to cancel this escrow because now I need a cheaper house. That sucks for that guy. Most of the time people qualify for more than they actually end up borrowing. So even a little push in the rates, it just leads them into decision time. How serious are you? Mm -hmm. And I feel like most people step back from that table. And once you let all the emotions calm back down, man, it got more expensive. I Maybe it's going to go down in a month. Should I just kick back and wait? All the while, if you're, if you're working around here, the next one is, yeah, and next month that house is going to be worth 2 or 3% more. And if you can't... Find one in that month. Let's just say that you do the reasonable thing. The average person is taking about six months from the day they decide to become a homeowner to the day they are standing in their own living room. So what's what's the real estate going to do in six months? Well, if the current trends hold, it's going to be three to five percent more. So you take that five hundred thousand dollar house and say, man, by if you want to kick back and and wait up, this thing's going to be five ten to five fifteen by the time you're ready to rock. So that's 160 bucks a month too. What do you want to do here? Yeah. You know, just step up and pay it or not. And so most people, the emotion, like once you cook through the whole, man, this sucks. I didn't want this to happen this way. I was afraid it could have. And then they pay it. So that's just, I, you know, like, yeah. I think that's how it goes. Hey, we're just, I, I almost forgot that we were even in the radio station or at the radio station here. We're just like talking away, having a great little conversation. We've blown through multiple breaks. I think we, we have to just take a break right now. Just I, th I think it's it's mandatory at this point. Um, if you are interested in joining this conversation, asking a question, if we're just if we're going off on a tangent, and you want us to go a different direction. Give us a call here at the studio. It's five, four, three, eight, eight, three, zero, five, four, three, eight, eight, three, zero. We'll be right back after this break. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. 
through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change. Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you refinance your home or investment property. Lower your rate, shorten your loan term, or get out of your mortgage insurance. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. To the late BB King. I know it's sad. Yeah, it's a bummer. I I was you know about two weeks ago. I guess I was reading that um, hospice was with BB King, mm. and then later that day I saw a headline that said Benny King died, and I was like, oh, these idiot tabloids mixed up mm. the news. And there's always some problem, right, where they say Betty Davis died, and then it proves later that day that she did not. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, thank God, you know. And then sadly, it turns out that it was true that Benny mm-hmm. King died and B.B. King was on hospice. And I was like, yeah, like Dan says, that's a, that's a rough month to be a King um, <laughs> music yeah. giant. Yeah. I, yeah, what a bummer. I had a uh, brush for greatness with him, actually. Did you? Yeah, I was driving down a 101 and a tour bus pulls up beside me and says, B.B. King on the side of the bus, man. Wow. It's kind of cool. I was riding down 101 right next to B.B. King. Then what happened? 
Oh, I didn't get to see him already. You just <laughs> saw the bus? I saw the bus. <laughs> this, guy's yeah. got, this guy's got low standards uh, here. Well, yeah, well, that was pretty cool, though. It was, it was probably on the bus, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, but uh, I always wanted to see him in concert, but it's one of those great ones. It's like, eh, never got a chance. Slipped through. Mm-hmm. That's a bummer. Yeah. Hey, Dan, you know, we yeah. we spent so much of that first hour here talking about um, the market and maybe things are overvalued and things feel kind of scary. The Dow has been pushing into record highs again. I mean, we're seeing it regularly over 18,000, it seems. And um, this week we had Craig Darnell in the office. He came in on Wednesday to our monthly office meeting um, Craig is the administrator of our company's um, IRA plan. And um, I mean, I don't have any trouble mentioning that at all. It, it, Craig's one of the, um, is he one of the principals of Blakesley he's a, and Blakesley? He's a vice president at, at Blakesley and Blakesley. And so, you know, Blakes and Blakes, he's a local company. They've been around a good long time and have a fantastic relationship um, with us and our company. And uh, I, I'm always thrilled with the level of service that we get and everything. And anyway, Craig came in this week to um, talk to the group. We have a few new employees and we're just trying to raise awareness of the retirement plan options. Um, our company offers a match to the um, uh, the maximum match to the employee's contribution. So um, we're always really, really pushing and urging these guys into setting up a contribution on their side so we can match it. Um, and so he came in to share that news with some of the new folks, but then also some fun conversation developed around um, what is going on in the economy and whether or not some of us are in the right funds or not. Um, so interestingly enough, I mean, as you well recall, I raised my hand and said, um, Hey, I I'm in that fund you're talking about. Should my money be moved? And, um, and here was the conversation is, um, we were talking about those target funds, right? And I, I don't want to get too crazy technical about this right now, but, um, if you're retiring soon, right, the, the, here's the retirement mentality in terms of investing strategies. If you're retiring soon in the next 10, 15 years, you don't want a lot of risk in your portfolio, right? You want to have like bonds and those kind of things that are a little bit more guaranteed so that you're not potentially having to retire on one of the dips where you had been aggressively invested. So to the contrary, if your retirement plan is like 30 years from today, you end up in an account that that's much more weighted in stocks and less in bonds. Um, those stocks that over time are going to have a more robust growth, but are also going to be more volatile getting there. So you, you sort of go through this season where as retirement approaches, you move more and more into bonds. And in cash. Yeah, in cash. And my my particular um account had like twenty-five percent of it was ultimately invested in bonds. And so um and I you know I I feel somewhat ashamed to admit to this, but I'll just will as I just said, hey, pick me one. I don't know. Pick me a couple, whatever. They're mutual fund type of things, right? They're already diverse in and of themselves. Um, but Craig was sharing with us that the bonds are likely to get hammered when rates go up. 
if you're too heavily invested in bonds, what happens is like today's bond you've bought, you know, let's just say I buy a $10,000 bond, which if it's like a 10-year note, I mean, what? It's paying to 215. Yeah. Um, so then it, it, I'm going to make 2.15% interest on my money. And then at its maturity, my $10,000 is intact and I made, you know, a little bit of scratch. Here's the thing, though. If rates go up, those indices go up, too. So five years from now, let's say interest rates like 6%. I'm five years into a 10-year bond period, and I paid $10,000 for this one making 2.15. It's it's that old one from 2015. Um, everybody else is buying their $10,000 bond and getting 6%. What a loser. I have this crappy bond that's tied up, and so if you need to sell it, then what happens? You're going to sell it at a discount. <laughs> I'm going to sell my $10,000 bond for 8500 bucks to get the money back out of it so that I can go put it into something at today's new value. Um, if you have a, a portfolio that's all too heavily invested in that bond side of the business, when rates go up, you can find yourself in bad place. We had economists on the show a few years ago saying that rates are going to go up and get out of the bonds today. Um, that was not good advice three years ago, uh, two years ago, a year ago. Is it good advice today? Uh, do we have another, what if there is another three years of low interest rates? Is it possible? Are we addicted? Yeah. I start to are wonder, we are we addicted to low, to low rates? That's what we need to continue right. for business to, to continue to and transact. And it's not just homes now, is it? I mean, it's, it's, it's transcending that into like most of the investment community um, is that these low rates have so much to do with that. And so um, I did, though, I want you to know, I moved out of a bond fund and moved that just over into another fund. So I, I shook a pretty good amount of like, like bond holding. Plus, I was... I didn't want as much bond as I had anyway, I guess, was the thing. It was a bit much for because I'm not I'm not planning on retiring in 10 years. Am I? No. <laughs> no. Dang. I was hoping you were like, yeah, you are. <laughs> so, yeah. But interestingly enough, I, I thought that was something we're talking about on the show again today, though, is um, though I don't believe interest rates are going up in 2015. I do think they're going up in the next year and a half-ish, okay? And so here's a piece of good advice for all of you guys. Why don't you go get with your uh, asset managers, your retirement coordinator, your financial planner, your stockbroker, whoever that person is for you, and just make sure that you're not getting lost in the masses, but that you have deliberate, your money's right, invested right where it should be, as we seem now to be ever more, more than ever, we're poised for increase in rates, right? I mean, maybe it's not happening next month or maybe even not in six months, but we're going to have to argue that you at least want to visit whether or not your your money is structured in a way that you're going to be unscathed moving forward um and i just think it's a good idea just to kind of get in there and get a check on how it's all invested well he was sharing that a lot of those plan managers are are already shifting their 
bond holdings from longer term to shorter term bonds in the and, plan itself. Yeah, because they they do see that the this cycle is about to change. Bill Grossman, though, you remember? Oh, yeah, Gross. Dude, yeah, Bill Gross. I'm sorry. No longer with Pimco. No, but why? Because he made some bad calls. And what well, he was—that's what I think. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but think about this, though: is that for years? I mean, years ago, he was out there preaching this whole "you're going to get clobbered in the bond market," uh, and I think he's right. The trouble is, is he was just too early. Timing, timing, timing is the other right? part of it. Yeah. So, you know, who knows? But rates are going to go up. It's a matter, I guess, of. Of when, of when and how quickly. Yeah. And, you know, when they do and how much is that going to hurt everyone? Remember when we used to talk about the the significance of rates going up, that it would start to help people that are saving and fix some of the problems for the fixed income retired people that have got money that aren't earning anything. Um, so many different reasons why going through some... I mean, in higher rates actually can create some inflation. There's there's a laundry list of reasons why rates going up could be a good thing. Savings rate. Yeah. Well, but that's not, I mean, that's not really a good thing though, right? Because we, we need retail sales to, to keep GDP good. So you don't want to incent people to put too much money in the bank. Um. But it's funny, though, is is we've shifted away from that now. No longer the mentality of we should we should look forward to the the second round of healing of what higher interest rates can actually provide a little strength to the economy. And and we've moved away from that completely to where the new thought is um, we're addicted to low rates. And if we move these rates at all, this house of cards is coming down quick. Yeah, we've been an economy driven by incentives for for six or seven years now. So you got to decide what side of the fence you're on. I err on the side of thanks to the crisis in um, housing that there's just not enough available that the, the house of cards will not fall. But it's going to be very difficult to raise interest rates. It's going to be a slow long drawn out thing and i i suspect that even when they raise rates the first quarter percent that they do that it'll actually might even ease our market a little bit for the panic that we had you know, anticipating the bite um hey it's 10 o'clock you guys we got the mandatory top of the hour break when we get back we got another hour of mortgage matters hope you'll stick with us there's more to come tuned into Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Citricoast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. It's the second half of Mortgage Matters. Glad you're sticking around. If, if you're out there, I mean, I know it's such a beautiful day. I I woke up this morning to go get the newspaper off my driveway. 
got a new newspaper delivery person who actually hits the 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 walking paths towards my door. So no it, it's nice. I don't have to like go tromp through like dewy grass or whatever to get my newspaper. I don't have to look under a car. Every you know, this person actually gets it in a in a reasonable distance to the front. I door. thought you were gonna say you stepped out your door and it was all black and white. <laughs> And red all over. Your neighbor was watering some perfectly <laughs> manicured hedges. I want your delivery person. Mine puts it way out by the street. You get the. Oh, oh the we gutter. just yeah. I would get it yeah. in the gutter. I would yeah. just. I had one one morning. It was like on the windshield of of the car, and so I didn't see it. I thought I just got skipped that morning, and then because you don't, you're not trained to look at the car windshield. Did you call the manager? No, they find no, no. I, no, I didn't. I worry that they're going to retaliate or something. <laughs> going to spit yeah. in your paper. <laughs> Can you have the delivery guy throw the paper by the front door for crying out loud? It's under the car. It's on the roof. It's over a fence. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, it was beautiful this morning when I stepped right. out to grab my paper. It's beautiful. Right by the front door. Yeah. Wow. It's nice. But the sun was beaming down on me. It was warm. No. So I can imagine that, you know, not a lot of people sitting in there. At their radio right now, listening. Yeah, since that's I, all right. We've had a nice conversation. Since I do my since I do my news on the computer, I don't have to go out in the yard. <laughs> I want to look at it. Good, the, you didn't miss anything good outside. It was terrible. See, I want to look at it from the point of view, Dan. That the go conversation get your news from the yard. The conversation you guys are having is so riveting. Isn't it? Millions of people are listening, but they're just so paralyzed. I think yeah. there's a there's a large um, population of people that are really yeah. just they're locked in. They're on the edge of their seat. What are they going to say next? Exactly. I think that's Wait, what shh, shh. This is where it gets really good. Hey, you know, we we try to uh, to spend a a good amount of energy on our website each week, posting. Um, Sharing some some news that we think impacts you as and your decision making when it comes to buying or refinancing property. And um, this week we released a series of reports about real estate in the county. It's the quarter one review of um, of San Luis Obispo County real estate. And actually, we we go beyond. We since you know we always talk about Slow County, but so often when I say that, I'm also including. Santa Maria, um, and even down, you know, as far into Santa Inez and Solvang and, and those areas too, because those are really all part of our local area when I'm talking about Slow oh, yes. County, but I know that they're North Santa Barbara County. So we have um, a series of reports that were just released this last week, give, talking about some different metrics, uh, median home prices, price per square foot, um, you know, some of the most expensive and least expensive cities. So it's, it's pretty... Um, good information i i i find this stuff really interesting and you can find it um uh, today on centralcoastlending.com if you go to the mortgage or the market blog um you'll see there's we break the county or the area i should say down into five different areas and then we also do a big county overview um so i think there's some interesting numbers out there we rely on a lot of the great information that comes from the slowcountyhomes.com website run by keith bird he does a great job with that blog and um, maybe we can talk a little bit more about those numbers. But first, we've got a caller. We've got Susie in Grover Beach. Hi, good morning, Susie. 
Hi. Uh, yeah, you guys were just talking about as you're getting older how you should uh, redo your investments. Uh-huh. And I just did this. And the person I worked through, you guys have had her on your program, Stacy Korsgaden. Okay. And um, What did you find out when you guys sat down to do that meeting? Um... Well, my interest was, is I had, you know, like my IRAs and stuff into uh, um, uh, mutual funds that were market-based. They were, uh, oh, investments or, uh, like you said, uh, gosh, fill in my memory. But anyway, I turned 62. I decided that start collecting my social security so i wanted to get um my investments into a more secure environment and they do have uh funds there that are geared for people who are are retiring or going into retiring that diversifies it a little more you know move more of it out of growth and into different areas Yep. So it kind of gives you a little warm and fuzzy feeling that if everything takes a dump, at least you're more diversified in uh, you're not going to uh, put your whole retirement at risk. Yep. And that, and that, I think, that's the sage advice for everybody is just get a checkup on it and make sure that you're in a, a good place where you're not going to – you know, you're minimizing your chances of having some significant problem. I think a lot of people, when it comes to investment accounts, they they set up an account, they make some decisions on allocations, and then they kind of forget about it. And I I am one of those people. Um, you know, being a stock picker is not what I do. F- tracking these different investment vehicles is not something I do regularly. So, um, you know, I rely on my financial planner to keep me up to date. And every now and then, you know, they've got a lot of clients too. So every now and then you need to initiate that conversation um, just to check it up, you know, once a year, once every couple of years and make sure that you're where you want to be, that you've, you've, uh, you know, you make sure, make sure, make sure you, you're still on the path that you thought you were on. Make sure you update your beneficiaries to include your That's new a, daughter. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Yeah. That's kind of what I do with Stacy. You know, we keep in touch and, um, you know, when the interest rate went into the garbage can, you know, I had a lot of things that were in CDs, uh, and that just wasn't, um, you know, it's the, the interest return, rate is yeah, such not very good. a low rate, yeah. So I ended up getting something I didn't think I would get, but I, I got an annuity, which I'm getting 3% on and it will uh, it will mature when I hit 65 Perfect. and then I have this other other stuff too but I feel a lot more confident now that I've kind of got strictly out of the growth with the other part of my investments into uh, you know more of a diversification. Thanks for your call, Susie. Appreciate it. 
Yeah, so what you guys were talking about today uh, really kind of hit my interest. And then plus also, you know, as you get older, you also have the option of doing a reverse mortgage on your home. You do. Yep, that's a that's a good um, financial financial planning vehicle for a lot of people to consider when they start to hit those retirement years. That's one of the opportunities that's available to you when you've built that equity over time, paying your mortgage down. That then, if if needed, you have the equity there to be able to draw back out as income if if you need to supplement your fixed income. Something definitely to consider. It's one of the many tools that people have available to them. Um, but it sounds like Susie's ahead of the game by already doing her checkup on her, um, you know, retirement accounts and things like that. So that's good. Everyone needs uh, to. It is that. important. And then there may come a day to where I need to go into assisted living situation. And that's a big sinkhole in your budget. Yeah, I was reading just this week about the cost of those um Certainly something to plan for. Thanks a lot for your call, Susie. We do appreciate your participation yeah. in today's show. If anyone else wants Let to... Let us know people are out there. <laughs> if anyone else wants to join in today's show, you could call 543-8830. Um, this is probably a good time to step away for another break. We'll uh, got to refill the water, maybe see if there's some coffee lying around here, and then we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. We recently made the jump to direct lender. That's right. Now we can do your loan in-house, but we still broker too. We choose based on getting the best loan terms for you. We don't know what to call it yet, but you'll call it amazing. Refi or refinance a home. Just call 543 loan. Just call 543 loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Some cheap sunglasses. Oh, yeah. All right, everybody, welcome back. Hey, wh- Dan, what do you say we talk about some loan stuff for a minute? You don't want to talk about ho- houses? Oh, is that what you want to talk about? No, we can, talk let's about talk about houses. Let's do some I'll loans. Do no, I want to do loans. Let's talk loans. I'm going to quit looking over my shoulder waiting for Wes to walk in the door. He's not coming. Luckily, for I mean, good for him. He got a client call early this morning someone wants to look at real estate so he's just out working he's always a client first kind of guy prioritizes and uh, all right wes you get a pass this time we know it's not like you're sleeping in or anything you're out working hard yeah good job mm-hmm. probably got up <laughs> early to press a shirt right you know? sounded like a good yeah. excuse right <laughs> all right so let's talk loans dude. what do you want to talk about i had some loan stuff to talk about First of all, this is kind of an obscure thing, but um, I think it kind of illustrates a, a, a decent little um, example here of the kind of things we do. I had a call this week from a um, from a fellow that is getting a VA loan and, um, well, was hoping to. He applied for a VA loan and was told um, by one of the big banks that he was not eligible to get a VA loan. Why? Because he'd had one before. Oh. In fact, he has one currently. Hmm. Why does he need another one if he already has a home? Well. Is he living in that home? No. He moved out. Um, it's a rental. It's not in this area. No, yeah. It's another state. Mm. Um, he he bought a house. He was stationed in the Air Force and bought a house. And shortly thereafter, a couple years into it, the Army moved him. Thought he's in the Air Force. Air Force, I mean. That's weird. The Army is like, hey, Air Force guy, get over here. He's in the Air Force. Okay. Um, They moved him. And so he sold that house and bought another one. So he got a a new house in the new state and was living in that house for about a year. And the Air Force moved him. So he got tenants in that house and ends up um, renting currently in the, the city that he's in today. And he just found out recently that the Air Force would like to move him to now to California. He's coming to the Central Coast. And so he called and said, hey, I, wanted, I would like to buy a house, and I'm a veteran. So, okay, cool. So he said, well, <clears throat> you have a benefit that you used in 2010, and the loan was paid in full, but the VA benefit wasn't restored. He bought a second house in, you know, it was 2000, later 2010, right? Was that one that's today a rental property for him? He used the VA loan, but it's an inexpensive house in Colorado. So anyway, that shows then too. So he went to the bank and, and Wells Fargo said, you can't get a VA loan. You, you already have one and you used your previous one. So... I got 
I got him by way of one of the real estate agents. So we'll call this guy. He probably help you. So I looked at it and said, well, what happened with the first VA loan? He said, I, I don't know. I bought a house with, it. I sold the house. So you see that it's paid in full, but it was just never restored. So we fill out a one page form for him to get that part of the benefit restored. And then secondly, that yeah, he already has a VA loan, but for veterans, if your family grows or you're relocated, not just in the Air Force or Army or whatever or service, sometimes your company moves you, right? You work for Home Depot and here and they say, you know, Dan, you've done such a bang up job. We're going to move you to Iowa to open this other store. If your company moves you, then the VA will let you get a new loan. So I said, well, the, the Air Force is moving you here. You're allowed to have two and it will work. We're going to get this first one restored that for, you know, years now has been in a, in a way that he, it was ineligible. So I just want, you know, I thought it was really interesting for everybody. If there's veterans that are listening today that used their benefit once before and think they're done and can't buy again, um, or even were told recently by a company like Wells Fargo that they can't use it again. Um, you can, the, you can use the VA benefit repeatedly. Um, I guess you just need a loan officer that understands how that works and how to get them restored and, and understand the subsequent use, um, which we do. So that was kind of an interesting one. And I would not really had that come up before. I, I thought everybody knew you could use it again. Um, and then also that as long as it, it doesn't get restored if you do like a foreclosure. Like if you borrow a hundred grand from the VA and then they, the house goes into foreclosure and they lose it, that whatever portion of that hundred grand that the VA loses, they they take that away from you for your next home purchase down the road. Uh, so if it wasn't a foreclosure, then there's a process where you can just get it restored. Um, so that one was pretty interesting. Yeah, you you think you're going into a big financial institution and and their people are going to be high caliber and they're going to know the rules and they're going to they're going to be eager to help and it's quite the opposite ends up being true. I shared a couple weeks ago that one of our loan officers in Morro Bay is working with a a client who went into Chase in Morro Bay and and they're looking to get a refi and he recently went from a full-time employee to part-time at the same company he's worked at for 20 years. And they said, you can't qualify because you don't have a two-year history of working part-time. <laughs> no. It's like, I'm at the same job. I'm like winding down my working career. I qualify with my new lesser hour schedule. Uh, but you don't have a two-year two history of working less hours. And I'm doing so voluntarily. Yeah. So they they turned him away. So he came in, just walked across the street, you know, already knew that he wasn't going to qualify. But hey, just because you guys are right here across the street, I'll just ask the question to you just just so that I can confirm that I'm not eligible. We're like, no way you can get a loan. So here we are. We're we're a week or so away um, from closing closing it. Yeah. That's that's another great example. Um, These things, by the way, they it comes up very often. And part of it is just um, the caliber of the person, right? And I don't, I, I don't love picking on these banks, but I will just because they're an easy target to make the point here. Um, but think about the difference between that dude that you know, is, yeah, he's got a 
a button-up shirt with a tie on and stuff. But that's kind of all you know about him. He has to wear that there. Yeah. They have a dress code. At our company, like, there's no guarantees. There's no safety nets. We're not advertising during the Super Bowl. If you're working here in the loan business, um, you'd better be a pretty dynamic person, nimble, able to deal in stress, help provide creative solutions to things. You, you, it's, you separate out the weak-hearted pretty quick. And before too long, you start talking to somebody that's been – a loan officer for a company like ours, not in a bank where it's like a sit in that desk and you know if you if you build it they will come kind of thing. This is like this is a little bit different for us. We got to go earn it the old fashioned way by hard work and reputation, uh, rather than the Super Bowl ad or where you have your checking account. And so they're just as a different caliber of person right out of the gate. But then secondly. What you don't know what that bank does, like in this case, so we know Chase doesn't like somebody that voluntarily um, elects to to work less. Uh, there's plenty of bank out there that don't care about that. There, that's not a thing for them. Um, and here's another great example. I am working on a loan right now in our company where the bank I do a lot of business with. I do quite a bit of business with the same bank. They will never, there's no circumstance under which they will allow somebody to take cash out of an investment property. The owner of the company, I had this conversation yesterday because I called this dude up and I said, look, I give you guys a lot of my business and I like to do so because the rates are good. The service is good. Um, the time, you know, you guys are expeditious. I like keeping a lot under the same roof because I, um, then I don't have an outlier with another bank that isn't going to give me the same rates or service. Anyway, make this exception for me. It's like a, a 40% loan to value. In other words, we are looking to borrow, um, 200% or $200, $200,000 on like a, you know, $580,000 house. So, and yeah, it's technically cash out, but here's what happened. The guy bought the house utilizing a line of credit from his business. So he paid really cash for it off of this business line of credit. And now he wants to, and he did that because it was a competitive market, right? So he put in some money, took some line of credit money, bought this place. A couple months later, he said, okay, now it's time to get some permanent financing on there. So, yeah, you know, now I'm looking to put down, you know, essentially I need a $200,000 loan to pay off my line of credit. I said, that's a great transaction. Thanks for coming to see us. This one bank won't do it. So I called him up and I said, make an exception for me. I want to keep this business with you. I like it. You guys do a good job. He said, the owner of our company will never do a cash out loan on an investment property. I said, yeah, but really, it's a really low loan to value. This guy's got unbelievable credit, so much money in the bank, um, and it's not totally cash out because he just he used the line of credit instead of like his money from the bank. Nope, our company won't do that. So I, I'm just giving you that as an example of something that seems to make perfect sense, but then there's a company where, for one reason or another, the owner of the company or the board 
doesn't want to do something. They don't want to do somebody that had a short sale. We don't do that. There's companies that just, they pick something where they draw a hard line in the sand and they won't do it. And then um, like Chase with the part-time job thing. But for us, because we work with 50 different banks, if that's a problem for one bank, that's okay. I guess that's why I have 49 other ones. I'm going to pick the next guy that doesn't have that issue. Um, and so you can sort of, we can pick and choose where you need to go. Where where in the matrix do you fit where it's not a problem? That's going to, oh, that that's an issue for all these other banks. That's not an issue here. And some of the things like, for example, um, a fifth financed property. You already have four financed properties and now you want to buy a fifth. So many companies are like, I don't even need to know anything about you. It's a no. <laughs> That's pretty crazy <laughs> though, right? And then there's out of those 50, there's like seven companies that are like, that's nah, not a problem for us. We can do that for you. Um, so I really think some of the power is just in the diversity of who your lender is utilizing for the investor. Um, that's so in addition to just being higher caliber people, there's just a greater access to so much more. Um, why somebody still walks into Wells Fargo where it's like, I'll be your Huckleberry. Give me the rate you got today and the program you're willing to give me. Um, and then don't even go compare or anything, but that's happening every day. It blows my mind. Yeah. And, and so, you know, when, when you see a, a purchase transaction, a, a report recently came out that, that looked at realtors' tendencies. And one of the findings in this report was that realtors t most often tend to, tended to refer their clients to brokers versus the bank because of that very reason, because there's more confidence in a broker's ability to find a loan um, because of the options available, the greater sure. diversity of options available to them to find financing for their client. The realtor, when they're making that referral for financing, they're trying to find someone who's going to help them achieve the end goal of finding the right home and, and getting it financed Just so that they can get paid on transactions. Close. Yeah. And they need a, a good, strong lender that can find the option that can, that can get the loan through the gauntlet and to the finish line. And, and that they most often rely on a broker to facilitate that for them. And it, so within the real estate community, it's known that you're going to get your, your best chance at closing by using a company that has a diverse array of options for them. Yeah. You know, you know what else is funny too? Um, I, this came up this last week for me too. A, a couple got pre-qualified with cash call. We talk about cash call from time to time. On They're the show. still on the radio Lying. with their, um, you know, 2.75% rate with no fees kind of message out there. And that's just not a realistic message. And the redo. I love the redo commercial. Have you heard the redo commercial? Uh, if rates drop, we'll redo your loan for free. No, kind of thing. you already got a loan like, you know, six months or a year ago. And so then they're just offering the redo. Just. It's really simple because you just recently did one. You can just redo it. Um, and then in kind of like as he's describing it, he's like, 
it's really simple paperwork, most of which you already have from when you just did your loan. And it's like, man, there's no such thing as a redo. If, even if you have a Wells Fargo loan and you're going into Wells Fargo to get a new Wells Fargo loan, you're doing a new loan. You're going to have the new paperwork and stuff. It's, yeah, it's a redo, but don't make it sound like it's any easier. It's really never any easier. But anyway, Cash Call, they advertise all the time as gimmicky with a lot of uh, very deceiving advertising, I think. Um, so this couple got pre-qualified with Cash Call. Their real estate agent, um, you know, in, they said, oh, we, well, I'd like to go look at this house. And the real estate agent said, okay, well, are you pre-approved? Because realtors are kind of trained now that you don't, don't go put somebody in your car that hasn't already figured out their financing. They're not serious if they've not figured out their financing. So I said, well, are you pre-approved? Said, yep, we're pre-approved. Said, great, with who? Um, the couple said, cash call. And the realtor said, okay, well, you're going to need to go to one of the local lenders here and get pre-approved. And they said, well, no, but we did that already with cash call and said, no, um, they have a terrible reputation in the local community and you won't, um, you won't be, your offer won't be taken seriously if cash call is your lender. So you really need to, you know, at least get a second opinion kind of thing. So they came to me and, um, I mean, Cash Call's a really big company, right? They had already done all this work, this, that, and the other. They, you know what they got? Hmm. They were qualified to a maximum um, <clears throat> debt-to-income ratio of 41%. And, I mean, that's kind of conservative. It's like Freddie Mac will go up to 50%. So I just explained to them, you know, they said, well, what's the most we qualify for? Uh, it's 500000 cash call they said 440 yeah and here's the payment for 440 you could certainly do 440 i'm not suggesting you should go buy a five hundred thousand dollar house but there's a a freddie mac program that'll get you there you know so should you decide to buy a house that's 450 or 460 even this is really how you could do it um then they said well okay so then we compared fee sheets yeah, the cash cash call uh, fee sheet was like four and a half percent. After all that advertising for the cheap wasn't two point seven five. Nah, that's that was for, as wouldn't you know it? That was for a whole nother kind of buyer um, on a fifteen year loan, and with like you know sixty percent equity and all this crazy stuff. And I get that. I mean, advertising kind of works that way, but. I pull up four and a half and man, that's like windfall profits. If we could give everybody a four and a half percent interest rate, I might could retire in 10 years. Um, and so these people were pretty stoked to find out that they could qualify for a little bit more with us. And then our interest rate was quite a bit lower. Um, so the translation was they could buy a more expensive house for the exact same payment as what they got going to the big, you know, advertiser online and so i just thought again man that's a it, it doesn't surprise me that's kind of the norm but um pretty good news yeah every now and again somebody calls that listens to the show too i've been listening to your show for years and i'm in the middle of a loan with quicken <laughs> <laughs> well thank you <laughs> how's it going with quicken 
it's not good. <laughs> so you've been listening for years, and you didn't even call me, but you called Quicken, and now you're having a problem, so you're calling me. What's going on with Quicken? Well, you know, an insert problem here. They're taking real issue with my, um, you know, we have horse stables and we we make like $1,000 a year off of horse boarding. And now they're saying we live on an agricultural property and they denied our loan. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> those, that happens a lot. That's a problem. Um, Quicken though, because where are those guys? Michigan, Minnesota. Yeah, Michigan. Michigan, right. Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I've been to Michigan before. It's a little bit different than California. Um, they certainly don't understand like the local lending environment here, and that you might have horse stables are kind of a common thing around here in the rural areas. That just kind of pops up from time to time, and and so there's workarounds for it, you know. So if, if you're that listener, um, first of all, let me just say, I'm not going to be mad at you if you're working with Quicken after having listened to the show for years. We'll still, we'll still pick up the pieces and help save the day. Did you find them? They are. They're in Detroit, Michigan. Yeah. And that makes it hard to walk in and look them in the eye. <laughs> you know, sometimes like I just like that where... Um, if it's not going well or whatever, you could just go to the guy just to walk into their office and just look at him and just go, dude, that's not good. Got funny accents when you talk to him on the phone too. Yeah. And have you seen the economy in Detroit, Michigan right now too, where Quicken is based? That's probably why they're there. Yeah. Cheap labor. Mm -hmm. They get loan officers Possibly. for like seven bucks an hour. Yeah. <laughs> it's below minimum. Is it? I don't yeah. know. What's yeah, federal minimum so. wage? I think it's like seven twenty-five or something. Yeah. yeah. So they're probably getting that. They're below California minimum wage. That's for sure. Yeah. Sheesh. All right, guys. Time for the final commercial break of the show. So I didn't mean to pick on Quicken that much. I just wanted to pick on them a little bit. Well, no, you meant to pick on them. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to do the final commercial break of the show. We get back, we got 20 minutes to go. Stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. What a state of generosity, look what my agent got for me. 
just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. All right, everybody, welcome back. I had a couple more things that I was interested in sharing today. Um, Loan-related, of course. I guess today's just loan-heavy. Um, oftentimes, we do whole shows where we don't talk a lot about loans, so today we're doing a little bit more of that. But uh, the, the HAMP and HARP program was extended recently. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was just announced last week. Um the program was set to expire December of this year, so they tacked on another year essentially. So that's both the the modify people are still doing loan modifications. Yeah, in so fact, loan modifications and lo uh, the underwater refinances. Yep. Wow. I was talking to some real estate agents just this last week that said um, that Santa Maria market is not fully recovered yet, and it's still kind of tough down there. I saw some short sales in the listings. I didn't bring these stats in last week, but I read Realty Track said that there was some um, like a little blip in additional um, short sale and foreclosure, like REO bank owned sales, and uh, like kind of ticked up last month for like a year over year increase. Um, point being, though, going back to this program is that. Um, this is a program, I and I feel like it, it's almost pointless to talk about it, but there's some people that just might be benefited from this, is if, uh, if you got a loan prior to really June 1st of 2009 um, that's owned by Fannie or Freddie, and that's the kind of now we're weaving down a path, but it's easy to look up. You can go to Fannie Mae Loan Lookup. That's what I Google, and then you can just put in your info there. Um, if your loan is owned by Fannie and it's older than June 1st of 2009, you're eligible for this program, which essentially will refinance you regardless of the value of your home. And so, it also has some allowances for higher debt to income ratios. And, and if you don't have mortgage insurance, then you don't have to have it. So it's a way that, you know, so there's a couple cool little perks about it. The interest rate is a skosh higher than the kind of the average qualifying loan today i guess i should say this is almost a non-qualifying loan 
the they they loosen the standards for qualification for um, ultimately credit, mortgage insurance, debt to income ratio, and loan to value. Um, so there's not a lot of people out there that still need this help, but there are some. In fact, um, didn't they also change this so that originally you could only do that you you only had this opportunity one time, but didn't they change it so that you could now do it a second time? I know that was proposed, and I don't know that I that I saw that. I you could do it a second time. I think if it was still before that first June first two thousand nine date. FHFA estimates that there's like 6 million people that could still refinance under this program and um, save money. Wow. So just a kind of a, a general appeal to anybody that has a loan from somewhere before 2009 that for purposes of income, credit, or equity or lack thereof never refied um this could be an opportunity for you uh and ordinarily you know the reason we don't talk a lot about this program is that it's not that common uh it's not widely used uh but since it got extended i found you know i found myself thinking hey we should share that maybe somebody out there you know one of our listeners could take advantage of the program which then leads me just to want to say if you've wanted to refinance and for whatever reason you didn't felt like you couldn't or even were told that you could not that's a good person to call us um we have been able to do some uh pretty impressive things for people that ruled themselves out or like we were talking earlier in the show um, those people that were told no by one of the large financial institutions that no, you can't, you can't qualify for that. Or because you had this short sale or because you had that foreclosure or because your loan amount is greater than X or whatever, there's been so many reasons why people have been told by the big banks, they don't qualify. Um, so my appeal is really to everybody, regardless of the age of your loan or type of your loan, if you've wanted to refinance and have not because of some issue or being told no by another bank. Um, we're the problem solvers that could help you there. 543 loan. That's what you got to do. Call that number. We'll give you help. Um, let's check at this caller here. We have Jeff calling from Los Osos. Good morning, Jeff. Welcome to the show. Oh, hi, guys. Uh, I, I'd just like to ask that, you know, if you have a, a re reverse mortgage and you want to get it refinanced, and the, the uh, recession is uh, doubling up, and interest rates they're saying is going up. Um, would it be better to get uh, a reverse mortgage or a refinance now rather than to wait before interest rates are going up? I think if you're going to do a fixed rate refinance a forward mortgage a traditional forward mortgage then um acting sooner than later is probably in your best interest i i the it's pretty clear that rates are going higher it's just a matter of when and how fast um so you're if if you're wanting to refinance your forward mortgage now's the time to do it a lot of the reverse mortgages 
um, are actually adjustable in nature. So it you're going to be subject to the interest rate fluctuations as time goes on, whether or not you do the loan today or tomorrow or six months from now or a year from now. Yeah. And you, that first part of that question too, is if you have a reverse mortgage, should you refinance? Um, that's actually a pretty good question. I'll tell you why. A lot of reverse mortgages that were done a few years ago are adjustable rate in nature. So if you had an adjustable rate reverse mortgage, this might be a good time to refinance uh, into a fixed rate yeah. reverse mortgage. So that's, yeah, there is a fixed rate yeah. option on the reverse mortgage. And many people don't even know that you can refinance a reverse mortgage. Um, there has to be a benefit. If you're refinancing a reverse mortgage with a reverse mortgage, there has to be a benefit. Uh, but you absolutely you can refinance a reverse mortgage. We see it um, all the time. And in fact, sometimes people get a reverse mortgage because like picture this, um, maybe in a couple like husband and wife, one of them suffers a stroke, okay, and needs some pretty expensive medical care. The reverse mortgage can not only stop the mortgage payment that you have today, but also create income for you to cover these additional medical expenses. So sad as it is, a couple years into this, that that's, um, spouse that had the stroke passes away. So now the finances to the house have changed, right? Um, those expenses no longer exist sort of use it to bridge that gap. And then that surviving spouse might be able to, based on their pension or retirement or social security or whatever, go out of the reverse mortgage back into a normal loan. Um, we see people do that from time to time. So a reverse mortgage is definitely something that you can refinance. And I'll tell you, it's just like any other loan. The, the reverse mortgage company produces a payoff demand of, yeah, this is how much it takes to pay us off. And then when you pay them off, they kind of, you know, reconvey the property to the the owner or to the new lender, or whoever. And it's it just that's sort of just like any other loan. So that's a that is a good question. And I appreciate that question, Jeff. Um, and yeah, to reiterate Dan's um, sentiment there, there's no time like the present rates are going up you know, and before we took Jeff's call, I was in the middle of saying, um, is if you have any old loan and for whatever reason you feel like you need to refi and you, you, you think you can't, or you've been told you can't, those are the perfect calls for us. We, we can at least either be your second opinion and tell you, yeah, you're dead in the water and here's why, or nope, this is, you too are going to benefit from us having 50 different investors. We know how to do this loan for you. And in some cases really save the day. Um, every now and again, we come across a client where we do a refi, uh, saving them, you know, thousand bucks a month or something, some crazy amount of money that is truly life changing. Those ones are always, of course, the most fun. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah. And, uh, gosh, what else? I threatened it earlier, but there's, uh, there's an interest, interesting report on the central coast lending website about real estate pricing and, and price per square foot metrics sales. It's our quarter one review 
Um, I don't know that we have enough time to really dive into this too much, so I'll, um, I'll just point you to it. There's a, a series of reports um, on the website, on our market blog, where you can um, look at trends for the first quarter of 2015 um, through the entire county, or, or we have the county broken up into five different regions, and you can kind of see what's going on. Um, some of the, the most interesting things that I found were um, just looking at the cities and, and where the median prices are standing right now. Some of them are pretty surprising. Um, some of these cities are, are really experiencing some, some great appreciation, and not surprisingly, a lot of the beach communities are, are very high-valued. Avila, Cayucas, Pismo all continue to be um, some of the most expensive areas in our county. Um, all of those areas are above $800,000 median home price. Um, and then a lot of the North County tends to be more affordable where you have, um, Atascadero, Templeton, Paso Robles, Santa Margarita, all less than the slow County, um, median price. They're all, which is sitting now at right around $500,000. Um, those areas are all some of the more affordable Santa, Santa Margarita actually comes in as the most affordable city in the region at 290,000 median home price. Now, Which there is aren't crazy. as many sales in Santa Margarita, so that city does tend to see more fluctuation yeah. than others um, because but there's some really affordable and then some very expensive homes. I in Santa feel Margarita. like that's one of the ones that's deceiving, though, because, like, for example, there's a house listed today in Santa Margarita. It's like on K Street or something for 299 grand. It's literally a teardown. You would not, nobody's going to buy this house and actually live in it. But you see some stuff like that sell in Santa Margarita where it's like a house that's just old as the hills and decrepit and more or less selling for the lot value. There's also some manufactured home stuff out there, mobile home stuff that that changes some of those numbers. Um, if you're just comparing like a, a 1,500 square foot, three bedroom, two bath, that house in Santa Margarita versus that house in Atascadero, that house is going to be more expensive typically in Santa Margarita. Well, and here's here's something that needs to be highlighted for Santa Margarita specifically. In that first quarter, there were three sales that made up that metric. So that's not a good sample size. Right. That's not a very accurate representation of, of what homes are worth in Santa Margarita. It's a very, you have to take in the, the number of sales into account. Whereas you, you look at Paso Robles and Atascadero, you have 83 sales in Atascadero, 115 sales in Paso Robles. And what a difference a sampling like yeah, that can the, make. The metrics you're going to get there are going to be um, a lot more representative of what you, what you can find in those cities um, because there's a lot more data to sift through. Um, that's one of the challenges in our in our local communities are the that you know we do have a smaller population. There are a lot less transactions going on, so the data can be much more skewed than if you <clears throat> excuse me than if you were looking in a a major metro area, like if you were looking in a Fresno or a Bakersfield or a Los Angeles. Yeah, when you when you see the median home price for Santa Margarita being three hundred thousand, that makes you think oh, I'd, I'd live there for three hundred grand. Sure, uh, yeah, not the case. Area. I I saw yesterday a condo in San Luis for three hundred grand. Wow! Yeah, um, there's still some deals around. Um, you know, just 
it's kind of funny once you get out in the market and see what you could find. It, that makes me think, you know, on something like that, we usually say a pretty good rule of thumb is for every 100000 you borrow, you should plan on 600 bucks a month debt service. So if you bought a $300,000 condo, that'd be like 1800 bucks a month you would expect is the payment on that thing. That's not bad for a if you could own a condo in San Luis. So, you know, sometimes there's a, and by the way, at a 50% debt to income ratio, that $1,800 a month payment translates into you need to be making about $3,600 a month or four grand a month to qualify for that if you don't have a bunch of other debt. That's a kind of an affordability option there. Those, those properties are, um, there's not a lot of them right in San Luis like that, but that's a pretty good opportunity for some people to figure out how to afford um, some housing in what is phew, San Luis. I mean, that's one of the best cities in the world, right? Just reminds me of uh, just wanting to tell everybody, don't sit home and disqualify yourself. Like, I can't afford that. Or I don't have, you know, another thing that we hear people say a lot is I don't have 20% down. Um, so many, like I said earlier in the show, more than 70% 70 of your clients, 70 plus percent of my clients are getting away with 5% down or less. Um, that's, and that's because of loans like VA, FHA, USDA, Fannie Mae now has the 3% down option, um, or Fannie Mae 5% down gets you a little bit better deal on those loans. Um, uh, point being there's a, there's an awful lot of loan product out there, um, uh, that's available. And what we really specialize in is, uh, marrying our client with a potential investor where um, we can kind of hit the highlights, make sure we're, we're finding a company that's comfortable with your, um, your income, your assets, your employment, your, your kind of little attributes, but then also the down payment um, property, all those kind of things to be able to figure out how to make a really good deal for somebody um, and, and we're able to still do 100% financing in some parts of the county with USDA. So if you're interested in getting qualified um, or know somebody that is, the number to call is 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Most of these programs, by the way, we've written about on the website. So if you want to go, uh, you know, maybe you just don't have the courage quite yet to call, you could go over to the website take a look at the USDA program or the FHA program. Yeah, we um, post a lot of the qualifying criteria um, for you to check out any of the loan programs. We have a full um, full page of rates for all the different programs so you can start to crunch payments. We have calculators on there. Um, we, like I said, we have some real estate reports. And then when you're ready to finally move forward, we've got an application online. It's all at centralcoastlending.com. We hope to hear from you this week at the office. The number is 543-LOAN, 543-5626. Another live show next week. We'll see you next week. Have a great weekend.